Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Right. Good morning. All right. Well, we are in the seventh week of the Revelation series, and we're going to be talking about the fifth church today. I am Pastor Kelly, um, and I'm the Connections Pastor here at Vertical Church, and we're really happy to have you all here with us today. Um, This morning, I'm just going to kind of jump right into things and um, talk to you about the church at Sardis. Now, if I am squinting at my notes, it's because, not that all females do this, but I wrote my notes in turquoise ink, and so... (laughs) Um, With these bright lights, I'm trying to get this where I can see it because if there's a shadow, um, then I can't actually see my notes. (laughs) So you'll have to bear with me, or maybe that's God's design because maybe I need to go off course a little because sometimes he does that, you know. Um, Anyway, um, I want to let you in on a little something as we get started because um, this message to the church at Sardis is the most harsh message to all the churches. So, um, you know, sometimes when we come to God, he is encouraging in a loving and kind and um, generous way that makes us feel happy and exuberant. And then sometimes he lays the hammer down. And that's kind of what he does with this church, um, the church at Sardis. He lays the hammer down because sometimes we need a strong word. We need someone to speak to us and speak the truth to us in love. Um, But sometimes God's love is his judgment. And so you need to kind of keep that in your mind as you're listening today because there is nothing positive pretty much said to this church. Um, He jumps right in and he starts talking to them and he lays it down. I know your deeds. And they're not good. And unlike the other churches where there's a big but, but I commend you for this, or you have done that, there's nothing. Absolutely nothing. And so um, I think about it like this. Sometimes we need someone to say something to us that's going to make us angry. Because sometimes We need to get angry to move out of the place that we're at. Does that make sense to anybody? Um, I'll explain it like this, and since my husband's here, he'll probably get mad at me. I wasn't planning to use this, but I am. When I was pregnant with my second child, I (laughs) I was so sick. I would fall over in the chair, and I would trap my almost two year old daughter in, and he would come home from work and I would be passed out in the chair and she would be sitting in front of the TV watching Baby Einsteins. And he would say, why didn't you call me from work? And I was like, because I can't, I'm, I'm sick. You have to go to work. Somebody has to make some money in this family. And so one day he's on the phone and I know he's frustrated because I can't do anything. I'm throwing up all the time. I can't cook dinner, can't clean the house. I can't work. And so he's talking to his best friend and he says, women have been doing this for thousands of years. And I just happened to be about to walk out of the bedroom door, and I heard him. And you know what? It wasn't pretty, and he shouldn't have said it. But it made me angry, and I was mad. And I'm like, I'll show you. I'll do it all. 
And so, but I did, I got mad. I got mad enough to say, I am not going to let this sickness keep me down. I'm going to do better. I'm not just going to lay around. I'm going to figure out a way around it. Now, moms, if you're throwing up and you're pregnant, give yourself a break, okay? But I'm just using that as an example that sometimes you just got to get mad. You got to hear a heavy word and you got to get mad and say, I'm going to do something different. And that's the kind of word that he was giving to the church at Sardis. Now, the church at Sardis was about 30 miles southeast of Thyatira. And when people heard the name, they probably thought of a natural fortress because that is what this city was. It was a natural fortress. And it, it was basically impregnable to armies that were coming in. But the funny thing is, is that even though it was this great fortress, it was a great city. It was glorious. It was, um, it had a theater. It had all kinds of things, just like the other cities. It was, you know, a great trade city, but it had some problems because it was captured twice unaware. Once by Antiochus the Great and once by Cyrus. And so they were basically just so nonchalant, so caught up in whatever they were caught up in, maybe nothing at all. They might have just been lazy, but they didn't even care. They had the perfect situation to never be captured, to never be taken over, and they just let themselves go, basically, was what was happening here. And so what is going on here is they weren't paying attention. And so they were the model of inoffensive Christianity because the church wasn't paying attention either. And they had become just like the city in which they lived. And that's where we start today is Jesus is coming to them and he's saying, this is what people may see, but this is what I think of you. And so let's turn to Revelation 3. And let's just read this entire passage again, and then I'll go from there. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me. The scriptures will be on the screen, or if you use the version and the Bible app, if you go to version, uh, go to live and search for vertical, um, what's in a name, you can find the scripture there and follow along. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So remember what you have received and heard and keep it, and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come to you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, And I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. 
So John gets right down to business here. He does not mince words. He doesn't try to bring them this great encouragement. But he just starts out and says that the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Basically, what John is talking about here is Jesus' intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. And he's pointing out that he has a unique connection to him. And what's interesting is that the seven stars in other scriptures we see, that those are in his right hand. And that right hand is also on John, giving him the inspiration to speak. So the Holy Spirit is there in their midst. He is with John and upon John. And so immediately he is making that clear. He is making it clear that the Spirit is speaking and the hearers would not be lost on that. So remember we've talked about before that they're sitting and they're listening to this word. It's not like a letter that we would pass around today, but they're hearing. So that's why it's so important. That's why he closes each letter. He who has an ear, let him hear. And so we need to realize that he is making it clear that the Holy Spirit is the agent of power that is using John to speak, and he is the agent of power in the church. So the Holy Spirit is also the one who gives us strength, who lives in us, who gives us insight into the things we should say and to the things we should do. And also, it wouldn't be lost on the hearers that this is the same spirit who previously in Scripture has the ability to search hearts and search minds. So it's no question that he knows their deeds. He knows why they're doing what they're doing because he has that ability. Now they have a name of being alive, but they are dead. So what's, what's in a name? You know, that's a famous Shakespeare line. What's in a name? But what is in their name is that they appear to be living but they're dead. Now, you guys can, you may make this connection or you may not, but all I could think of was zombies. They appear to be living, but they're dead. You know, and that's kind of frightening because the church is supposed to be something that attracts people, but zombies are not attracting. People are running from them everywhere they go because they appear to be alive, but they're dead and they want to kill people. And I know some of you watch The Walking Dead. And some of you who are older probably watch Night of the Living Dead. I can remember my first sleepover when I was a teenager. And her dad let us watch Night of the Living Dead. And I was so frightened. (laughs) Because I came from a good little Christian home and we didn't watch stuff like that. So, um... But there's this appearance of being alive. They look on the outside like they're doing everything right. But they're not. Because he says they're dead. They're complacent. They are just sitting around with the name only and having no action. And there are some of you here today, you're zombies. You you have walked the walk for so long and talked the talk that you give this appearance of being alive and you give the appearance of doing everything right, but you're dead in your Christianity. You don't have a true and living relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And if that's you, or if you've never met Jesus Christ, then this message is really for you today. Because what happens is after he tells them, you look alive, but you're dead, he immediately goes into the the, the, the series of things that they need to do to come out of this. Because what is interesting is he says, you have the name that you are alive but dead. He tells them that they're dead. But then he says, strengthen the things that were about to die. How hopeful is that? You can be called dead, but there are things that were about to die. So they're not dead yet. So there's always hope. Even in a message of, of harshness or a strong tone, there is a message, there is hope behind what he's saying. And so this is what he says. He says, you are complacent, you are incomplete, and that is self-deception. If you are living a complacent lifestyle or a lifestyle that is not completing the work that he's asked you to do, then you are living a life of self-deception, and that's wrong. So I don't want you to be deceiving yourself. I want you to move into a position of being different, of being able to, what did that song say? Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let my feet go further than I thought they could do. And that's what this message is about today. It's about taking up what you know is the right thing to do. Because when you first got saved, for some of you, you were so inspired. You had that flame of fire. You had an excitement. You were ready to go. You volunteered. You went into your community. You told people about Jesus. And now it's about showing up on a Sunday morning or maybe showing up to a small group. Folks, if all we're doing is showing up, then we're doing something wrong. We've got to be doing things. We have to be working. We have to be completing things. It seems like a theme for me when I get up here to speak, but there are people in here and that God has told you to do something and you are so terrified that you're not moving. You are living in self-deception because you're living an incomplete and unfulfilled life because you can't get past your fear to do what God has told you to do And what's going to happen is the spirit is going to show up and you're not even going to know he's there. God's going to be in your midst, in your presence, when you get ready to be in, you're with someone else and he's trying to inspire you to speak to them, to lead them to life in Christ. And you're so bound up in fear or you're so bound up that you can't even recognize that his spirit is with you and his spirit is on you and you're dead. You're dead. You're lifeless, and you're living in self-deception. But here's what he says. Number one, awaken. Wake up. The literal translation of the Greek there is watch and keep being watchful. Wake up, look around you, be watchful, do what you're supposed to do, and you don't stop. Now, in Deuteronomy, now remember, these, are, these people are now Christians, but they are practicing Jews. So they're looking back to the scriptures of old. And Deuteronomy is a book that pretty much everyone knew. It was the basis for what they founded themselves on. And in Deuteronomy 30, 
Moses comes to the people and God has given him a word. And he says, today I have set before you life and I have set before you death. Choose life so that you and your offspring may live. There is action required on your part. So wake up, choose life so that you can live. You have to do something. You are responsible. And then this is what he says. He says, this is not too hard for you. You have the ability in you. The Holy Spirit is living in you. You have the ability to make the choice of life over death. So wake up, wake up and choose life. Number two, strengthen. He says, wake up and strengthen the things that remain. Be resolute in your faith. Hold on to what you know. James 5, 8 says, you too be patient. Strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. That hasn't changed. Strengthen your hearts. We should always have the mindset that he's coming soon, regardless of when he's coming. Because what happens if we think that time is far off, then we get lazy, we get lax, we settle down and we're like, But the truth is, if we all thought it was possible that he came tonight or tomorrow, we would be telling everyone we loved. We would be telling people that we don't love, get ready. You need to accept Jesus. You need to understand that Jesus brings life, that Jesus can help you be different and live a life that is not bound up in death and sin. But we don't do that. I don't do that all the time. Because we're caught in this cycle of a never-ending life. And we allow ourselves to be fooled and we're not watchful. When we strengthen that which remains, we strengthen that which is still alive. He says, you need to strengthen the things that that remain, which were about to die. Which means that something there is still alive. Find that thing in you that's still the small flicker, that's still the small flame, that makes your heart come alive, that makes you passionate about Jesus, and run with it. Strengthen that thing that is still in you that is not yet dead. Number three, remember. Remember what you have received and heard. Now remember, they're going to think all of these things are going to start coming back to their mind because they're going to be reminded that in John 20, 22, they received the Spirit. In 1 John 2, they received the anointing. In 2 John 4, they received the command to love. So they have the Spirit, they have the anointing, They have the command to love. They have everything they need to be complete in Christ and do what he's asked them to do. So what they need to do is remember. 
And remember that there's a connection between hearing and belief. So what they hear and what they know, they have the ability to believe. So you remember what it was like when you were first saved. Remember what it was like when you first believed, when you first heard that message that Jesus can change you, that he can make a difference in your life. Take yourself back there, remember, and in that remembering, allow yourself to be strengthened. Wake up, be watchful. Do you see all these commands? They're building on one another, one on top of the other, leading to a different place. Number four, keep it. Keep it and retain it. There is a close connection between hearing and keeping. All of us learn in different ways. Some of us learn by writing. Some of us learn by hearing. Some of us learn by doing. That's no accident. If you want to keep something, if you want to remember it, figure out the way that it works best for you. If it works best for you to write it down, then write it down. We're in the middle of 40 days. Every day you have an opportunity to read scripture and learn something from it. Do whatever allows you to hear God's voice the best. Sometimes for me, I posted a picture this week. It's doodling pictures. I took all the words that were standing out to me. And because the end of the scripture, actually past where the scripture, when it talked about the flowers of the field. And so I talked about his loving kindness and he knows And so I used that to make the stem and the petals on the flowers. Because for me, it was making a connection of how it all fit together. About how his loving kindness works in our lives. And so whatever works for you, if it's writing the scripture down and then writing your comments after. Or if it's taking your scriptures outside into nature. For some people, nature is the best place to be quiet and hear God's voice. Whatever it takes for you, find that place where you can keep what you've heard and do it, be strong so that you can continue to be watchful. Because what is happening is that it is more than simple conformity, but an identification with and an incorporation into your daily life. Response to the words of Jesus have the result of eternal life. Now, I talked about them understanding Deuteronomy. And there's an old Jewish lore called the standing on one foot version, which is basically somebody came and they said, I want to convert to Judaism. And they said, tell me how I can do that. I want to do it standing on one foot. And he went to one rabbi, and the rabbi said, well, that's impossible. There's too much here in the Torah. You couldn't learn it all. You couldn't possibly learn it all. And then he went to another rabbi, and the rabbi said this. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Didn't we hear that in the New Testament? The two, love the Lord your God with all your heart your soul, your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Because 
Deuteronomy 6, 5 points us to loving the Lord your God with everything you have. But the rest of the law is all set forth there to teach us how to love each other the way we would love ourselves. That's pretty simple, but we don't often put it into practice. But one of the best ways to keep it is to keep that at the forefront of your mind, to keep those things, a life that bears out the fruit of the Spirit. One of my professors wrote something recently, and I thought it was really, really powerful Because he said, all of us have the ability to exhibit the fruits of the Spirit. But that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is in us and that we're actually exhibiting that fruit. Because those are characteristics that we can each have. Love, joy, peace, patience. You can have love, but it not be a fruit of the Spirit because you accept everything. And you have no gauge of right and wrong in your life. Or you could be a peaceful person and never, ever take a stand for what you believe. You can have patience with your children and still not be filled with the Holy Spirit and have his fruit continually bearing out in your life. Does that make sense to everyone? Now, finally, he says, repent. Repent. Repent is the culmination of five active commands. Because repentance involves taking action on the previous four. Awaken. Strengthen. Remember. And keep. Because repentance is a reorientation of your life into a new model of life based on the gospel. Repentance is not about just saying, I'm sorry. When we truly repent, our actions change. Now, let me say this. Scripture says, it is by grace you are saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. Your salvation is the gift of grace that comes only from the sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross. But our response to the saving grace of Jesus, should always be to be different. Always. We should have a reoriented life that seeks to live a life of the Spirit, life in Christ Jesus, which has put aside the law of sin and death. And that's what you need to remember, that he offers his life and his love. He doesn't offer you guilt. He offers you opportunity. He does not offer you guilt. He offers you opportunity. Because scripture says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are not condemned. We are given the opportunity to be different. Now, I know this is a little shorter today. Hope, if you will come on up, and I'm just going to kind of keep talking here for a minute. Um, Will you play Oceans? Thank you. Um, Otherwise, what it says here as we close and keep looking at the end of the scripture, it says, otherwise, I will come like a thief. 
and the hour you will not know. And we hear scriptures like that in the New Testament. You hear about the ten virgins, some who had oil in their lamps and some who did not. And he says, I will come like a thief in the night. And he's not talking in this particular scripture about the grand second coming that we all have heard about. But he's talking about what I said earlier. I will be in your presence. And you won't even have the ability to recognize that I am with you. How many times do we walk through our days with our shoulders bent over? We're tired. We're restless. And we're not even thinking the spirit of the Lord is with me. He is with me even when I'm free. He is with me even when I'm strong. He is with me. And am I watchful and am I awake and I'm prepared for his presence to be with me? And there are those of you here, you may not even know about Jesus. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus is the best thing that could ever happen to you. Because I can stand up here and speak all day. And I can say things that move you, but if you want to continue to be moved in your life, get to know Jesus. Get to know a person who can move you out of the worst place that you've ever been. Now, that doesn't mean life is going to be all roses, that everything's going to be perfect, but it does mean that there is someone there to strengthen you whose grace is sufficient in every situation. And there are some of you there who are like the remnant in Sardis. He says, but there are a few of you. There are some of you in this room. You have got it going on, and I envy you. Because you have your devotion time down. You are listening to the Holy Spirit. You are praying for other people. You're not just doing it to go through the motions, but you're doing it because you sincerely believe that Jesus has called you to do something and you are going to make that happen whatever yay you are doing it but for so many of us it is so easy to be dead to be dead and not living and going through the motions and not watchful for what he might be saying for us to do There are all kinds of things he might be telling us to do. And you know what? For those of you who are are doing the right things, you know what he says? He says, you are clothed in white garments, which is a sign of cleanliness, which is a sign that you will reign with him and walk with him. And he says, you are worthy. But you are worthy because he has changed you and he has changed your clothes. He has given you those garments. It is not because you did everything perfect, but because he has seen you and honored your efforts. So he's given you garments of white. And that can happen for everyone in this room because what it says is he who overcomes will be clothed in white garments and I will not erase your name from the book of life. Because see what happened a lot in those times, they had registries of names in books. And when someone was scheduled to be put to death, they would erase that name. They would blot that name out of that book. And he says, I'm never going to take your name out of that book. I'm not going to do it. And I'm going to give you clothes that are white, that say you're worthy, that say you can walk with me, that say you, 
you have an intimate connection with Jesus. Who wants to have an intimate connection with Jesus? I do. I want to have an intimate connection with Jesus. And you know what? Some of you can relate to Sardis. You're in that state, that zombie-like state of just wandering around. They also have awful clothes. Have you noticed that? Their clothes stink. You can have new clothes. That's pretty cool. You know what? That same spirit that held the stars in his hand, that anointed John to speak, his hand is on you. His hand is on me. His hand is on this church. And he has anointed us. And he has commissioned us. And he has given us his spirit and commanded us to love one another. And you know what? I told my husband last night, I said, you know, that makes me feel a little Pentecostal when I say that. (laughs) Makes me feel like, you know what? This wasn't just about Revelation and John and churches, but it's about us. It's about us because the Spirit still holds the stars in His hand. His hand is still on people today to give a word, to speak, to speak to the church, to speak to the nations. And you know what? Perhaps, perhaps what the Spirit is saying, if the ears that can hear will listen, is that it is all about a name. It is absolutely all about a name, and that name is Jesus. That name is Jesus, and that name brings life where there was death. So you know what? Today, no matter where you are, He has set before you life, and He has set before you death. He has set before you good things, and He has set before you things that aren't so good, and you have to choose. You have to choose, but it's not too difficult for you. It is not too difficult for you to make that choice. To wake up, strengthen, remember, keep, repent. Keep those words in your head. Move yourself to action. Awaken, strengthen, remember, keep, repent. Have it rolling around in your head, nonstop. Now, I know some of you here, I don't know how you're you're feeling, but regardless of where you fall in this, if you are not that person who's got it all together yet, and you are not that person who can say, I'm clothed in white, I am that remnant, but you are the person who says, you know what, I've been dead But there is still that thing that is alive in me. There's still a flicker. There's still a flame. And I can strengthen it by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit living in me. Raise your hand today if that's you. If that's you, raise your hand. Stand up with me today. Everybody stand. I'm going to pray over you. And then we're going to sing this chorus once before we close out today. Lord Jesus, we love you. And we thank you that you have come to speak to us. That you come to us even when we are dead in our sins. That you are the one who was dead but now is alive and is speaking to us to wake up and live. The 
one who was dead but is alive says, stop being dead and live. Lord, help us to listen to your voice and help us to take action today. Help us to move beyond that place of sin and of self-deception and of complacency and help us to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Help us to learn your words. Help us to defend what is right. Help us to have the strength to fan the flame that is within us that calls us to do what you've asked us to do from the very beginning. Lord, I pray that they would feel your anointing on their lives fresh again, that they would be reminded of when they first asked Jesus into their hearts. Lord, if there's anyone here today who does not know you, I pray that they would just breathe a prayer right now with me and say, Lord, save me. Save me from my sin. I don't want to be dead, but I want to be alive. Lord, for those of us that need a swift kick in the pants, give that to us today, Lord. Get us moving. Get us going. Let us hear what the Spirit says to the church, which is that Jesus is alive, that he has called us to something better. He has called us out of our complacency so that we can choose life, so that we and the generations beyond us can live a name of honor and glory that brings glory to your name, Jesus, and not to ourselves. Lord, I pray that you would bless them as they go this week, as they are in their jobs, as they are in their homes, as they are with their families and with their friends. Lord, inspire them to be watchful. May they be even more recognizing of your spirit in their presence. May they be listening for what you have to say, for that quiet moment that says, that person's having a bad day. They need your love. They need my love today. Lord, help us hear what the spirit says to the church and help us be like Jesus. We love you, Lord, and we honor your name today. In Jesus' name. Let's worship together as hope sings. And I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves where oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace for I Wherever you would come 
This to, speaking to me, speaking his voice to me. This um, I feel like some of you are tired. There are people in this room that you're having a hard time waking up and you're complacent, not because necessarily you've chosen to just not be watchful, but because the cares of this world have so pressed down on you that you live your life in a stupor because you are exhausted. You are exhausted with life and you are exhausted with the things that are going on around you and you feel like there's a heaviness that you can't overcome and you're sitting there saying, how can I wake up when I can't even get myself out of this funk that you are in? And I don't know who you are this morning, But there is strength beyond measure, beyond what you feel like you have today. And so um, for those people, for that person, whoever you are, you may need to lean on your community of faith to strengthen you in this moment. Because there are some times, just like Moses when he went to the mountain, his knees and his hands were feeble and Aaron had to come behind him and they had to hold up his hands. Because he couldn't do it on his own. But you have to have the strength to ask for help. And I don't know who you are. But the Spirit is telling me to tell you, you need to ask for help this morning. Whoever you are. And find that community or person or people who will hold up your hands until you can do it on your own. Okay? And I want to pray for for that person or those people this morning specifically. Lord, you did not intend for us to walk through this life bone weary every second. But you intended for us to have life and have that life abundantly. That you intended for our cup to overflow. And you did not intend for us to always walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But you intended for us at some point to come out on the other side into the light. So, Lord, for whomever this is this morning, God, I pray that you would give them the strength of heart to ask for help. And, Lord, I pray that as a community of faith and a community of believers, that we would stand together for this person or these people. That you would give us strength beyond measure to stand together as a body of believers, saying we will do this together. That I don't have to do it alone. And that until I recognize your strength in my own body, I have people who will hold me up. Lord, I pray that you would give them peace today that surpasses their understanding. That you would strengthen their hearts. That you would strengthen their minds. And that you would keep them in perfect peace. Help them to keep their mind on you, O Lord. And as we've said before, we will do what we can 
and you will do what we cannot. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.